Morning, everyone. It's great to hear that uh, feedback, isn't it? Uh, it's, we wanted to share that with you because I think those of us who work here uh, uh, during the week, we see all of this happening and we're involved in all of it, but sometimes if you're online uh, or you're just here on a Sunday, maybe you're not <clears throat> aware of that. It's wonderful how the Lord's opening up lots of opportunities. Um, I don't know where to tell you to open up your Bibles to <laughs> head to Acts, head to Acts 13. Um, we're going to be all over the place a little bit this morning. This one is different. We're taking a break from our series on the book of Mark, like I said last week. Uh, and I'm speaking specifically this morning on uh, the concept of prayer and fasting. So it's a one-off on prayer and fasting. So if you're visiting, uh, it's your lucky day. Uh, you came <laughs> perhaps unknowingly. I think we advertised this last week, and I think that maybe certainly cured the numbers in the 10 o'clock service. Uh, but uh, I'm praying that uh, this is very encouraging um, for us. I want to start off and say that fasting isn't a uniquely Christian thing. Um, you may be aware of people who've been on, on hunger strikes. Uh, you know, that's, I suppose it's a form of fasting as protest, be it political or religious or whatever it is. Uh, there's nothing uniquely Christian about going without food. And um, I think at the moment there's a, there's a resurgence that would seem in, in intermittent fasting. Uh, if one more person sends me a link to uh, intermittent fasting, every time I go on social media I get suggestions about the, the, this app, and I'm starting to take it quite personally, um, that, uh, you know, according to your body type, maybe this is when you should skip a meal or two. I'm like, whoa, just... <laughs> close down app and move along. Uh, intermittent fasting, uh, that is not what we're talking about here. Okay? We, we're not talking about fasting for health benefits. What we're going to dig into today is, is, is what makes Christian fasting uh, different and, and unique. Um, before we go into that, I want to just flush out some stuff so we all feel like we're on the same page at like non-fasters anonymous here. Because uh, I want to address, why don't we fast? Uh, most Christians that I know don't have a regular pattern of prayer and fasting. Um, so if that happens to be you, uh, please don't feel in the, uh, in like that I've zoomed in on anyone here. I think collectively, this is something that's fallen uh, by the wayside, uh, at least in our part of the Christian world. Let me just say that. This is not normative in other parts of the world, but in our part of the world, Christian prayer and fasting has fallen, by the way. So I think partly because of ignorance. Um, I don't remember the last time I heard a sermon on prayer and fasting. Uh, and I'm a professional Christian. I've been going to church a long time. I don't remember the last time. I'm not saying there has never been, but it's not something that we speak and teach into a lot. So you may be sitting out this morning thinking, I have no idea uh, what would be the benefits. I'm not even sure I'm supposed to. Isn't that just for... You, Doug, I mean, you're, you're a professional. You can pray and fast. That'll be good for you. But for, is that something that the rest of us should do? Um, where is it in the Bible? Um, I, think, I think more than that, though, I think we're very comfortable. I think we're very, very comfortable and largely apathetic. Okay? I say, I'm saying we, not you. We are largely very comfortable and apathetic. We don't often like to stretch ourselves and do things that are going to cause discomfort or deny ourselves. Uh, the culture, the message of the culture that's trying to disciple us all the time is that you must do everything that you lead with your heart. Do, do what, what's in you to do. 
Um, and fasting is the exact opposite of that. Um, you're not going to hear people encouraging you to go without uh, for long periods of time. Uh, listen to this quote by John Piper, who's written a lot of helpful material on, on fasting. He says this, The absence of fasting is the measure of our contentment with the absence of Christ. The absence of fasting is the measure of our contentment with the absence of Christ. We're okay not having more of God. We're okay, we're content with what we know of God and the amount of God's presence that we enjoy and experience. That's our main problem, is that we are comfortable and content. And we need a holy shaking and a resurrection almost of a desire for God. And fasting both shows us that, exposes it, and helps us in that. I think we are largely people of weak desire for God. I think we're largely people of weak desire for God. Let me read you a couple of psalms. I think these will be up behind me. Listen to, listen to how the psalmist describes desire for God. Psalm 73, verse 25. Who do I have in heaven but you? And I desire nothing on earth but you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. When was the last time that was the meat and bones of your prayer? God, there's nothing I want down here. I just want you. I just want more of you. Everything else may fail, but you're enough, you're enough for me. Psalm 42, verse 1. As a deer longs for flowing streams, so I long for you, God. I thirst for God, the living God. When can I come and appear before God? I'm not interested in doing anything else. My heart is thirsty after God. I'm willing to go without uh, everything else so I can be and meet with God. When can I do that? Psalm 63, verse 1. God, you are my God. I eagerly seek you. I thirst for you. My body faints for you in a land that is dry, desolate, and without water. It's like the, we have such a soul thirst as if you're wandering around in the desert. Most of us have not truly been desperately thirsty lately or maybe ever. There's something about desperation that drives you to do outlandish things. And our souls largely don't have that thirst for God that the psalmist describes. Those are some of the reasons why we don't fast. And I pray that God would, like I said, shake us and awaken us and give us these desires, make us strong-willed people for God, not weak and comfortable and apathetic and happy with what we know of God and what we experience of Him. Um, to help me and perhaps to help you and to make it easy to remember, I'm going to approach um, fasting from both inward and outward effects. I think, I think fasting has ways in which it affects you inwardly, and then uh, as we fast, it has outward effects. And so uh, this is not uh, the last word on fasting. There's a lot that I'm going to leave out, but um, I'm going to just try and give you as much as can be helpful for us this morning. On the inward thing, I found it helpful to to think of fasting as this, both feasting and fighting. So if you're taking notes, like I encouraged you to last week, I see some of you have taken up my encouragement seriously. Well done, God loves you more as a result. Uh, 
feasting and, and fighting. Uh, do you remember last week in Mark 4, uh, we spoke about Jesus and the, the parable of the sower and the seed, and some of the seed uh, lands amongst the thorns, and it grows up with the thorns, and it says it gets choked by those thorns because of a few things. And one of the things that chokes the seed of the word is the desires, the earthly desires, the desires for the things of this world. And I think that is, that's a very real thing for us. If you just think of your own life, you're, you're a person of strong desires. You have, we all have desires for the things of the world. And one of the things that fasting does is it shows you how strong those desires are. <laughs> it exposes them. It's like, it shines a light. It's like, yeah, yeah, all the things that you love other than God or, or in his place or more than him. It exposes us so that we can move away from having the seed of the word choked in our lives. Listen to this quote from Richard Foster that speaks about how fasting helps us. Um, It says, more than any other discipline, fasting reveals the things that control us. This is a wonderful benefit to the true disciple who longs to be transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. We cover up what is inside of us with food and other things. We, we cover up what's inside of us with food and other things. How many times have you found yourself um, overwhelmed, depressed, sad, anxious, whatever, and you've sought to comfort eat, um, try retail therapy, reach for a drink, Go for a run, binge watch Netflix. As humans, we are hardwired to reach for everything other than God when we're struggling. Amen? We reach for the things of the world to help us cope and to cover up what's really going on inside. And as Richard Foster says, fasting helps to flash those things out. It helps you to see what you're overly attached to and what you're overly relying on. Not so that you can make necessarily a permanent break with it, because often what happens is that we take good things and we pervert their use. So it's not that we necessarily need to abandon food and we never eat again. (laughs) I'm going to talk about uh, the gifts that God has given us a bit later. But listen to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. In verse 12, he just simply says this, I will not be mastered by anything. I will not be mastered by anything. Here's here's the first question. What masters you? What what are the different things that master you? That you don't have control over them. They have control over you. They affect your behavior. They affect your mood. Without them, you feel significant lack. You feel an inability to cope. And you feel like the things that you're trying to mask end up popping up through the soil. And you'd rather have them hidden. What are those things? Because everyone, friends, everyone has something that is mastering you, that you need the, the help and the grace and the power of the Holy Spirit to empower you to master it and rather than to be under its control. Fasting, I mean feasting and fighting. Feasting and fighting. That's what we're doing as we are fasting. We are fighting against these desires in our lives that draw us away from God. And as we do that, we're feasting on God. Before we get to that, 
I want to just point out that Jesus fasted. What is the first thing he does? He's, he's baptized. It says he's led by the Spirit into the desert for 40 days of fasting. At the end of the 40 days, Satan throws every single thing that he can at Jesus. And how is Jesus able to resist? Yeah. In the power of the Holy Spirit at the end of a time of fasting. If you are, and I don't think that's just given as like interesting, like, oh, look what Jesus did. That's nice for him. I think it's in some ways given as some kind of a pattern for us. If the Son of God in human form needed to fast and rely on the Holy Spirit in the face of temptation and battle with Satan, then, friends, so do you. So do you. More so than him. More so. Yes, he's fighting different battles at different levels. But look, we are, we're still in the same war. We have the same enemy who's trying to gun for you. And if you want to overcome and make progress as a Christian and win spiritual battles in your life, I want to point you in the direction of prayer and fasting. If Jesus had to and, and, and treasured it, and instructed his disciples to do it, then we need to listen to that and go. If you're writing notes, write this down. Fasting helps us to love the giver more than the gifts. Fasting will help you to love the giver more than the gifts. Hasn't God been so amazingly kind to us and generous? Isn't he still? I was reading something. I can't remember. I read a lot of stuff this week and the guy made the point that God could have, in his wisdom and in his sovereignty, made it that humans didn't need to eat. Like we could have been like Tesla uh, batteries. You know, you just you lie down at night and you just get plugged into the wall and you fuel up again and then you unplug yourself in the morning and then you go. And that would be the way in which you're sustained. Food is a weird thing. The fact that we have to eat to keep going and then God didn't just make like pro-neutra, vanilla pro-neutra. That's what I'm going to feed them with forever. Like he gave us like everything. And a lot of food is a gift from God. Pro-neutra, Marmite, fish paste, those things, they're part of the fall. Those, you don't see those things in the Garden of Eden. They're results of the fall. But most, most food is given by God as a gift. Most, most food, uh, you, um, you can tell I'm a picky eater. Those who know me well are like, yeah, we knew this was coming. <laughs> most food is given by God as a gift. What happens, though, is that we, we look to the gift and we forget about the giver. And we don't realize that every meal comes from his hand. And God has given us all these flavors and things to enjoy. And so often our affection just lands on the things that he's given. And we forget about the giver. And this happens, friends, in so many different areas. And because we're all different, we all have our different gift that our affection lands on instead of being directed to the giver. Work is a gift. Work is a gift, but some people uh, are workaholics. You've put too much uh, weight on your work, and, and you're drawing too much from it, too much meaning, too much affirmation, too much worth. Um, on, on your works, and so you work too much, you sell your soul to your company and to everything else, everyone else gets the, the leftovers of you. Everyone's got their different thing. Um, technology is a gift, isn't it? Technology is a gift, but these things have enslaved us in ways that I don't think previous generations could have predicted. Technology is a gift. I'm not saying you should take your phone and throw it in the Emerentia Dam. 
Um, but man, if you want to make progress as a Christian, here is your first challenge. Fast from technology for a day. Make an arrangement so people know how to get a hold of you. Turn your phone off and put it in a drawer for a day. And see how your soul reacts. See how your soul reacts to not having this thing with you for one day. And then you will have some eyes opening. Richard Foster, oh, okay, this is the condition of my soul. This is how much time, this is how much I look to. Just this little device, it's only one of the things. It's a good gift from God, but we've made it too much of a thing. We could keep going here. Netflix is a gift from God. Rest and recreation are gifts from God. But when we elevate them, when you binge watch Netflix, when you have to, have to, have to, when you have to do anything, your life can't exist without it. You have made a good thing a God thing. You have elevated there. And your affection rests on the gift and not the giver. And fasting helps to unwind that. Fasting will help you not despise God's gifts. We don't want to do that. But get our affections correct and say, oh, Father, would you forgive me again and again now? Now that the gift's gone, you're able to get your heart back in touch with the, with the gift giver. You're the one who gives it. We easily lose our way. Fasting helps us to focus. What are we saying to God when we fast? This is what we're saying. God, I want you more than I want this thing. And God, I need you more than I need whatever this thing is. I don't need food right now. I need you more than I need food. Jesus said man does not live on bread alone. He lives by every word that comes from God. You need more than food. You need the words of God in your life. Sometimes food gets in the way of that. Sometimes Netflix will get in the way of that. Sometimes your phone. Sometimes exercising. Yeah, we can, the lists are long. We're saying to God as we fast, I want you more than this. That's why I'm going without it. This is, this is not, I'm trying to win spiritual brownie points. I'm not trying to become your favorite. I'm declaring this with my actions of fasting, that I want you more than I want this thing in my life. As much as it may be a good thing, I want you more and I need you more then I need this thing right now or for whatever length of time I'm going without it. It's a bold declaration to God. And what God does in our fasting is help us to feast on him. That's what you go without something so you can have more of God. Are you with me? You go without that thing. So yeah, God, that's his promise to give, to reward with himself. He gives you more of your, him, himself when we go without the other gifts. You say, no thank you to the gifts for a time so that we can have the gift giver himself. That is the promise of fasting. That's why I said it's both fighting and feasting. When you're fasting, you're not actually going without. Are you with me? You're not going without. You're, you're going without something, but you're getting more because you're getting God himself. And that is to be treasured far more than the gifts. The gift giver is to be treasured more than his gifts. That's two ways that are helpful, as I find helpful, um, feasting and fighting on inward thing. Let's look outwardly. Fasting has outward implications. Uh, I think the idea of fasting for others. Fasting for others. There's ways in which you can fast for yourself. And God can grow you spiritually, give you spiritual strength, 
help you to put to death different sins and sin patterns and allow you just to feast more on God. But that's, a, that's an inward thing. How do we fast for others? Well, uh, again, there's tons. Here are two helpful ways. We can fast for mission and we can fast for mercy and justice. Mission, mercy, and justice. You can see I'm going with all, all my inner Baptist is kicking in here. I've got fast, feasting and fighting and mission and mercy. I'm going with all the alliterations here. Don't expect more of this next week. Uh, mission. How do we fast for mission? Well, have a look at Acts 13. This is, this is a wonderful passage. There are pockets of passages in the scriptures that show us the, the wonder and the power of, of fasting and praying. Acts 13, verse 1 to 3 it says this, now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, a close friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. As they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul to the work to which I have called them. Then after they had fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them off. Do you know which was the first church to send missionaries? This is it. Church at Antioch. This is where the missionary movement, the spreading of the gospel in Asia Minor and the concentric circles, this is where it sort of kicks off. This is the start of Paul's missionary journeys and all of his other teammates and everybody else, or the planting of all the churches the writing of all the letters that you hold in your hands, most of them is the New Testament. It kicks off from here. And what are they doing? What are they doing before God speaks to them? They're praying and fasting. They're praying and fasting, worshiping the Lord, and the Holy Spirit speaks to them. And says, set these guys apart for me to the work which I've called them. What's their response? God, I'm not sure. We don't know exactly, but I read into this. Okay, God, we want to make 100% sure we've heard you correctly. So they pray and fast again to make sure. They're not just like, woohoo, sounds like a great idea. Let's just go do something. No, 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 no. Like, we don't want to rush ahead of God. Let's pray and fast again. So God would clearly lead us. And then they send them. They lay hands on them and off they go. I want to say that as I read that, I was deeply challenged again for us as a church. Okay. We've heard some of the great things that are going on as a church. We start Alpha, uh, online Alpha this Tuesday evening, which we haven't done for a while. Well, we haven't done Alpha for a while. We've never done online Alpha. We've got a whole bunch of people signed up, many who are not necessarily believers in Jesus. Every church needs this as a normative pattern of their, of their life. As a, as, a, as a leader of the team of this church, and I would hope, as people who call this their spiritual home, I would want you to say in your hearts, we don't want to take a step forward. We don't want to come up with our own plans. We don't want to get busy doing a million other things unless we've prayed and fasted and the Holy Spirit is leading us and speaking to us. And we're confirming those things by praying and fasting as well. Every church needs this as their bread and butter. That sounds a bit odd when talking about fasting, but you get the picture, I think. Every Christian needs this. When was the last time you made a big life decision and you front-loaded it and bathed it with prayer and fasting? The reason why a lot of people come and meet with me for coffee and say, I don't know what I should do in this, I don't know what I should do in this. If you come and meet me, 
from now on, this is my new question. Here's my new question. How long have you prayed and fasted about it? Don't come and ask me. I'm not an oracle. Ask him. Ask him and then he'll speak to you. Maybe he'll speak to you through me or the word or somebody else or whatever else. He's going to speak to you. don't know how he's going to do it. But go and ask him and pray and fast and declare. This is how seriously I want to hear from you, God. I'm not interested in the wisdom of people around me. I want to hear from you. And this is how important, this is a demonstration of how much I need your guidance and your leading in my life. I'm going to pray and fast about it. I'm not going to be so casual. I'm not going to be so casual about the job you choose, the spouse you pick, where you live. Pray and fast about these things. Trust that God would speak to us. You see this in mission also here with Jesus and the disciples. He sends them out to do all kinds of wonderful things. They come back to him and they're trying to drive a demon out of this young kid and they can't. And they say, Jesus, look, we've reached our you know, level limit. Yeah, we're not able to. And Jesus does. And they're like, why couldn't we? That's their question. What was wrong with us, Jesus? And he says, look, some of these only come out with prayer and fasting. There is in God's sovereignty and economy, spiritual battles that are only won through prayer and fasting. And as believers in Jesus who long to see other people walking in freedom, this needs to become a normative pattern of our lives that we pray and fast so that we have spiritual power and authority and muscle to participate in God's kingdom work in setting people free. And I know some of you, I say it all the time, everyone, nobody wants to get involved in exorcisms. You don't get to pick that stuff sometimes, man. You don't get to pick that stuff, but you want to be ready for that if it's going to happen. So pray and fast so you're ready. That's mission. What about mercy and justice? I want to read uh, a longish passage of Scripture because as I read it again this week, it really it stirred me um, in new ways. Isaiah 58 is a passage about fasting, and it's a, it's a complaint that God has with his people around fasting. Let's read from Isaiah 58. Verses 1 to 12. Cry out loudly. Don't hold back. Raise your voice like a ram's horn. Tell my people their transgression and the house of Jacob their sins. They seek me day after day and delight to know my ways. Like a nation that does what is right and does not abandon the justice of their God. They ask me for righteous judgments. They delight in the nearness of God. This is God speaking. Does that describe you or our church or our nation? They're fasting already. They delight. What does it say? They delight to know my ways. These are people who are serious about fasting. They, they want to know what God has to say. These guys, are, they're actually doing the fasting. They're not just thinking about fasting. They're pretty committed. They're pretty involved people. But what is wrong? Now the people start speaking. Why have we fasted but you have not seen? We have denied ourselves, but you haven't noticed. Look, you do as you please on the day of your fast, this is God speaking, and oppress all your workers. You fast with contention and strife to strike viciously with your fist. You cannot fast as you do today, hoping to make your voice heard on high. Will the fast I choose be like this? A day for a person to deny himself, to bow his head like a reed, and to spread out sackcloth and ashes? Will you call this a fast and a day acceptable to the Lord? Isn't, the, isn't this the fast I choose? 
to break the chains of wickedness, to untie the ropes of the yoke, and to set the oppressed free, and to tear off every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry, to bring the poor and homeless into your house, to clothe the naked when you see him, and not to ignore your own flesh and blood? Then what's going to happen? Then your light will appear like the dawn, and your recovery will come quickly. Your righteousness will go before you, and the Lord's glory will be your rear God. At that time, when you call, the Lord will answer. When you cry, he will say, here I am. If you get rid of the yoke among you, the finger pointing and malicious speaking, and if you offer yourselves to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted one, then your light will shine in the darkness and your night will be like noonday. The Lord will always lead you, satisfy you in a parched land and strengthen your bones. You will be like a watered garden and like a spring whose water never runs dry. Some of you will rebuild the ancient ruins and will restore the foundations laid long ago. You will be called the repairer of broken walls, the restorer of streets where people live. This is God's issue with the people, that they're fasting, but their heart motivation isn't right. And they are going without, but they're not going without so that others can have. They've taken their eyes off the needs and the brokenness around them. And they're not going, like I said, going without so others can have. They're not fighting the battles of injustice they see around them. They're just going through some religious motions. And may God help us as we fast, not to make this some weird religious exercise, but that God unleashes the power of prayer and genuine fasting. That when we go without, we go without so that others may have. And we fight the battles of injustice that we see in our land Man, there are so many. It's exhausting just to think about them. But God is on our side. Did you hear in there what God promises? The glory of the Lord will be with them. Their light will shine like the noonday sun. There will be healing for them. There will be repairers of things. The promises of God there to the genuine fast and the concern of others is astounding. And I pray God would capture our hearts with that. We'd be able to fast together for mercy and justice, even in our nation. I've asked Nikki to come and share a brief testimony as part of this. And once she's done, I'm going to give you three minutes of the most helpful practical steps I can on how you can actually get going fasting. Quinn stole the microphone, so you can go and get it. Sorry. Hi guys, um, so Doug just wanted me to share a little bit about my walk with prayer um, and fasting. I, by God's grace, have always had a, a knowledge of a faith of the power of prayer, but it's been something that I've really had to like wrestle with God in and walk in, and it's been about a 15-year process of pursuing God in this. Um, it's not something that's always come easy at all, um, and I haven't always seen God's answers, but um, my understanding of prayer really changed when I went to the International House of Prayer in Kansas City in 2011. And essentially, it is a prayer room that they have been facilitating um, day and night prayer for now 21 years, unceasing prayer and worship. 
And um, you can imagine what that place is like because they've been asking for God to come and his presence to be there for so long. And they've been praying for the nations and the mission of God and the kingdom of God for so long. And God obviously really blesses that. Um, and I got there and I was kind of expecting to be interceding the whole time. You know, my, my sort of prayer life was very works-based. It was just me praying for the things that I saw around me and asking God to, you know, intervene. <clears throat> and I got the scripture from God from um, John 15, which was abide in me. Um, and it was just that bit. And I, he just kept impressing on my heart, just sit with me, just enjoy me, let me love you. Um, because so often we start with the, um, you know, abide in me and the next part is so that you'll bear much fruit. But we start with the, we want to bear much fruit and we neglect the abide in me section. And um, I actually felt guilty. I sat there thinking, Flip, I should be praying for all these amazing, you know, these things. But I was just sitting there loving being with God. And um, it was about a two to three week time that I was there and it radically transformed my life and my relationship with God because I learned then that prayer is first and foremost about seeking God and enjoying him and experiencing him and letting him love us and um, I started just loving prayer and I would spend so much time just receiving from God and then obviously as because God puts the spirit in us he pushes us out eventually um, you just can't stop you just have to go. And I then started praying a lot for the things I saw around me. But my first and foremost um, desire is for God and to be with him through prayer. And so, yeah, I've experienced a lot of joy in prayer. And um, I started working for Love Justice, which is a counter-human uh, trafficking organization. And one of the reasons I did that was because I was like, I want to see God do amazing things that we could never do on our own. Fighting the battles of human trafficking requires supernatural power, you know, for protection, for all sorts of things. So that was one of the exciting things that I thought I just going to see God do cool stuff um, through prayer. And we, we started praying um, about three years ago, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for an hour for the work of Love Justice. And through that time, we have seen God answer prayers in the most amazing way. But I've also experienced such an increase in my experience of God through that. I just feel like I float most of the time because of that time with God. Um, even though I'm pouring my heart out for others, God is blessing me and us as we pray in such amazing ways through those things that, you know, Isaiah 58 talks about. Um, and recently, God has been speaking to me about fasting as well. Um, and fasting obviously is really painful for us. It's not fun in many ways. And um, I have health challenges, so I've actually been told I shouldn't fast, but I've really been wanting to fast, and um, we have seen, started fasting for our new stations. So we open new stations, and obviously there's a lot of spiritual battle that comes with that, um, and our stations, we, we've decided now we're going we're gonna to fast for three days before we start a new station, and each person is going to pick a day, and we, you don't have to fast for three days, you just fast the one day. And we did this about two weeks ago. We fasted for Namibia. We started a station up on the Caprivi Strip. And our stations are essentially designed to look for people who are being trafficked, and we intervene once they're being trafficked, once we feel like they're being trafficked. And um, in that Namibian station, in the two weeks we'd been operating before the fast, we'd had two intercepts. And um, <clears throat> after our fast, we had five intercepts in three days. So it was a 
exponential growth in, in, in that. And then we fasted for Botswana as well. And one of the big issues with Botswana was that we only had funding for three months. And so we were fasting big time that we wanted to get some funding for the whole, um, you know, for a lot longer. And we heard maybe two days after we fasted that God had provided through us, through, um, for us and we had got a year's funding for that project. So it was just amazing to see. Um, and the other thing, just really incredibly, is that last year when the whole world's economies were basically put on hold and businesses were going out of business and NGOs were going out of business, Love Justice, through our commitment to prayer and fasting and through our commitment to being faithful with the small things, um, we managed to raise 110% of our budget, um, which we hadn't even done like the year, years before. Um, but we were, so, we were so concerned that we wouldn't get funding, that we were so concerted in our, in our prayers for that. So I just wanted to encourage you guys that, um, that there is much joy to be found in prayer. It is what we were made for. Meet, meeting with our God, communing with Him is how He designed us. So you are missing out if you do not push in and get that. And it might take a lot of time for that spiritual um, dullness to be worn off, and it might take a bit of pursuing. Um, I mean, I've had times where I've really pushed in and for like an hour just saying, I'm not leaving here until you bless me. You know, I'm not leaving this room until I experience your presence. And the one time it was two hours before I felt something. And that, like God so desires us to seek him, his word says that those who diligently seek him will re be rewarded. So just have that faith that when you push through, apart from the, you know, you might feel it's boring, it might feel dull and uninteresting, but there is great depths of beauty and joy in prayer and fasting. Thanks, Nix. Seven points that are going to come like bullets. Firstly, start small and then stretch yourself. I was going to call this point not so fast, but uh, I thought I might be the only one <laughs> laughing at my joke. Um, yeah, I mean, don't look, if you've never fasted, don't, don't plan a week-long fast because you're not going to make it. Just the honest truth. Skip one meal. Start with skipping one meal. Uh, start tomorrow. I'm going to encourage you to fast tomorrow. We have a day of fasting and prayer for the Alpha Course. We're calling the whole church to pray and fast tomorrow. We're going to get meet together here to worship and pray together. I want to encourage you to skip, pick one of the meals tomorrow at least. If you've never fasted, just pick one meal. It doesn't sound like much, but... And you may have missed a meal. We're not talking about missing meals. We're talking about fasting, skipping a meal. I thought, like, oh, I didn't pack any lunch. I suppose I fasted. You know, it's like, no, no. <laughs> That's not the same thing. Plan to fast. Because it's not just Christian dieting. We're not talking about Christian dieting. We're talking about fasting and prayer. So you're not just going without. You're adding something in while you, because you're not eating. So you can give yourself time to do something else. A second one is be uh, fast regularly and sporadically. I think it's really good for us to get into a regular rhythm you know, once a week or whatever, once a month, whatever your rhythm is. And sporadically, stuff will just pop up. You're just like, I feel like I need to fast for this or for this. So there's no, there's no legalism in this. There's, you don't have to do any of these things. These are all just be specific, fast specifically for things, and then fast generally. They're very helpful, like Nick was saying. They fast for finances. They fast for the border posts, the work in Namibia. 
fast your parents, fast for your children, fast for your marriage, fast for the salvation of somebody. Fast specifically, but fast, fast generally as well. You don't always have to have a specific reason. You can just fast as a good practice for us to get into. Fast privately and corporately. You see this in the scriptures where you fast on your own. I think this is the normative thing, that most of your fasting should be on your own because uh, there's just a lot of power in that. And it helps to flush out your heart. Jesus warns. He says in Matthew 6, be very careful when you do fast. He does assume that we are going to fast. He says, don't fast like those hypocrites who look like they're fasting. Yuck, you know, they just, like, you ask them how they're doing, they're like, I'm terrible, I'm fasting. You know, like, they just want everyone to think they're amazing. And he says, they receive their reward in full. Don't be like them. Fast secretly, and your father who sees what's done in secret will reward you. So there's a lot of reward in fasting, which is God's words, and we should seek that reward from the father. So fast privately, but fast with others. Fast from food and from other things. Spoke about that earlier. There'll be different things. Food is just the easy one to fast from because we need it every day, pretty much. But there'll be other things that the Holy Spirit will poke around in your life and say, nah, you shouldn't fast from food. You're more addicted to that thing. The food's the easy thing for you. Fast from that thing. That's got the hold. That's got the control. May have a plan to pray. Number six, plan to pray. If you don't plan to pray, it's not going to happen. Don't just go without food. Plan. How am I going to pray? You know, if you you think of your work day, your family, all that stuff, you need to make time to be with God. And then lastly, just have have in mind others and the effect on them. Uh, you know, if you're, I just use the illustration, if you're a mother, and she's like, I'm fasting today. You know, family can just fend for yourselves. You know, I'm not making any food. I'm fasting. Everyone's like, ah, we all dying of hunger. Yes, like I'm fasting. Like, think about the effect on other people when you fast. Uh, if you're in a digs and it's your turn to cook, you know, you can't just, you know, <laughs> absolve, absolve yourself of any duties to cook because you're fasting. Just think of how your fasting may have an effect on others around you. And, and pray, pray that God would purify the motives of your heart as you come to him in fasting and prayer. Because this is something that can go so quickly sideways, where we feel proud even about the fact that we're fasting and praying, we're leveling up as Christians. We're back in Isaiah 58 territory already, so quickly. So much more that could be said, but let's pray for ourselves. And I want to encourage you, we're going to sing after this. Someone asked the band to come up because we're running out of time. Uh, I said tomorrow is the day of fasting and prayer. I'm a real believer in like what we said last week about James, where we want to be doers, not just hearers of the word. And look, if you don't fast tomorrow, you're not a second grade Christian. doesn't mean you're not committed to this church, whatever. I want to encourage you and invite you in to the feasting that comes when you fast. This is an invitation to more of God. So I really want to encourage you Tomorrow we have a corporate day of prayer and fasting. We're excited about it. And other opportunities that will be coming, we're going to make this a more of a regular thing uh, in the church. It's wonderful. Let's pray together. Father, we want to acknowledge that, yeah, as we're saying, we, we have strong desires and strong wills for other things other than you. And yet we, we also... Because your spirit's in us, we have a longing for more of you. We do have a desire to know you more, to enjoy you more, and to be full of God. 
to have you satisfy um, our, our hearts, to help us overcome sin, to make us fruitful and, and life-giving and grace-enjoying people. And we, we pray that as you lead us um, deeper and further on this journey of fasting and prayer, that you'd be shaping us and growing us individually, and that you'd be transforming us as a church, and you would be um, doing a supernatural, redeeming work in the area in which we find ourselves here. Through relationships that we have with people in this community, through the people we're working with, amongst those who don't follow you yet, we look to you for an amazing work as we humble ourselves before you and say no temporarily to your gifts so we can say yes to more of you. And we pray that you would help us preserve our hearts, preserve our motives, keep a hearts set on you, but please help us and strengthen us for this. And you know, we just want to say, Father, we want more of you. And we're happy to go without other things so that we can have more of you because you're the one that we love the most. And we ask for your help in this in Jesus' name. Amen.